I had a client, she used to ring me up and go, oh, I've been reading the building code. And I said, well, that's not your job. <laughs> I said, ring me for that sort of stuff because that's all I do. <laughs> you are listening to the Property Developer Podcast, your home for tips, ideas, and inspiration to help take your developing to the next level. Now here's your host, Justin Getty. Hello and welcome to episode 23 of the Property Developer Podcast. It's great to have you with me. I trust you're well and your projects are progressing along. I have a great show for you today as I speak with a building surveyor about their role in a development project. Before we get to that, here's a quick update on my current projects. The 20 townhouse development construction is continuing along quite well. The plaster is going up in the back townhouses. The external scaffolding is also coming down and some of the front doors have been hung up. Along the front, we are now watertight. However, we do have an issue with mould in a large cavity space beneath the kitchen areas, which is behind the back block wall of the garages. There is insufficient airflow through that area, and the damp, still air has allowed mould to start growing. So we are having to rectify the airflow problem by cutting a large hole in the back wall of the garage and installing air grates in a couple of spots to ensure there is cross-ventilation to stop the mould from growing. The upside will be that the owners will be able to access this cavity space for storage because it's about the size of a small bedroom through the large hole that we'll cut which we'll create as a graded doorway. With the new development project I'm expecting any day now that the first cut of the town planning drawings will come through from the architect. We have a clear idea about the number of dwellings we will apply to put on the site and we're now working towards preparing the various reports to support our application like the Arborist Report and a review by a private town planner. And we're looking to submit our application in about four weeks' time. Okay, on to today's guest, Peter Ayers from Red Oak Building Surveyors, a very experienced building surveyor who shares with us what role he plays in a development project. I haven't had much direct contact with the building surveyor on our project, however I know the builder and architect have had regular dealings with him. And I've come to understand that the building surveyor doesn't just have to play a compliance and certification role, but he can help solve problems too. For example, the building surveyor has been helping the builder and the architect to find a solution to the mould issue I just talked about. So in this conversation with Peter, we talk about why a building surveyor is important, what role they play in a development project, and how you can get the most from your building surveyor. I started off by asking Peter... What food would he eat until he was sick? <laughs> Nachos. <laughs> Nachos? Yeah, yeah, with plenty of jalapenos. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. What, and what other toppings? Oh, well, you've got to have your guacamole, you've got to have your sour cream, and some cheese. So then uh, that'll get me through. And obviously salsa. Ah, yeah. any bacon or ham or...? No, no, maybe some pinto beans. <laughs> <laughs> And in the microwave or traditional in the oven? Uh, no, you oven. Yeah, yeah you got oven. It makes a difference to yeah. the melted cheese. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And the really fiery jalapenos or just yeah, the... Yeah, no, the green, oh, the green ones, they're okay. Yeah. 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 Oh, very good. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's good to know <laughs> next time. All right, well, Peter, we're here today to talk about building surveyors, of which you are one. I am. So... Can you tell us about how you got into building surveying or be, becoming uh, a building surveyor? Yeah, naively. Um, I, I'd finished sort of a, a bit of a gap year and had travelled and um, was back in Melbourne working in bars, doing all that sort of sort of stuff. And um, 
then you know sort of the pressure from the parents was well what are you going to do you know with yourself and I, I pretty much saw an ad in back then an ad in the newspaper for um, a course at Swinburne to do building surveying and uh, I had I had been a labourer before and you know I was quite interested in building so I thought oh I didn't really know what a building surveyor was but decided yeah okay I'll, I'll apply I was a mature age student, so I didn't have to, you know, have any certain... I didn't do HSC, I did Year 12, but I did a practical Year 12, you know, at Brighton Technical School, so... Um, Yeah, and they accepted me, and I ended up going to uni for seven years, so... First first year was a bit of a shock, you know, haven't haven't been to school for three years, and getting into uni life was a bit... Bit different, but yeah. So, Seven years for a building surveying course. Building surveying course, yeah. Well, it's a, it's a bachelor of bachelor of applied science in civil engineering. Uh, sorry, in building surveying. And um, first year, as I said, was tough. And failed a few subjects, and uh, so then the following year, I made those subjects up. That's and, part of the course for yeah, a lot of first year yeah, students. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, um, you know, a week and all that sort of thing was was uh, was something I hadn't experienced before. Um, and then um, you have a you have a, a work experience year, so you end up going out uh, to I went to a local council and worked there for a year, and um, they ended up I ended up staying there, and so I finished part time the the degree. So that's why it sort of went out to seven years in the end. So yes, that's sort of how I got in, and I ended up where I was doing work experience ended up being. Uh, staying there for three years um, and then finally got into a private company straight after that. So, And so what kind of skills do building surveyors need? Um, you, 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 need to, you need to be able to read plans. Um, <laughs> that's a pretty good skill to have. Um, and, you know, you, you can get some very detailed documentation, especially on some on large projects. So you need to be able to read plans. You need to be able to... You need you need some skills in term, with with services as well. You need to be able to understand some computations, some hydraulic computations. You need to be able to read specifications. Um, so, yeah, you, you need to you need to study documentation um, to make sure that uh, ideally the documentation is right <laughs> and that the the ultimate uh, outcome is for the builder to have a, some documentation that they'll build the building correctly so yeah okay perhaps can you tell us a bit more about the role of the building yep. surveyor in the development process because yep. yeah i actually haven't had much contact with our building yeah, surveyor okay. he's been yep. a building surveyor so i don't actually yeah. know a great deal about what he does so okay. if you could just share with us what what is the role of the building surveyor yeah. well ultimately our role is to issue you with a building permit but before we get to that part we have to assess all the documentation to make sure that it complies. So, um, you know, we, we've got various levels of legislation that we use. We use the Building Act, Building Regulations, Building Code. Under the Building Code are all the Australian standards. So there's four tiers of legislation that we use. Um, so we'll, we'll start off by going through the admin side of things when we ask you for an application form, copy of title, subdivision plans, dial before you dig, all that sort of information. And then we'll, we'll get all your consultants, your architect, your uh, structural engineer, your services engineers, 
submit their documentation to us and then we'll assess that. Come, you know, nine times out of ten you fire back a big list of items that you need clarification on. It can range from five on simple jobs to could be a hundred on a on a major project. And so that's a, you're in consultation then with the design team basically to filter through all your queries, um, you know, and you you, know, you end up with two or three months of email correspondence and, you know, updated drawings and until finally I'm satisfied as a building surveyor that the design meets the building regulations and we issue a building permit. Then you build it and we're required to come out and check at certain stages. Um, the, the starts off with you, you digging your foundations. We'll come and make sure they're the right size, that they're built, built to the approved drawings. Um, we'll check all your reinforcement before you pour any slabs or footings. And then we'll um, leave you alone for a bit and then uh, come out when they're doing the framework. So um, once the framework's all ticked off, we're gone again and we'll come back when it's all completed and do a final inspection if we're happy we then go back into documentation collection mode and get all the certificates from all your contractors your um, your builder statements your glazier your electrician your plumber all that sort of thing we'll get that information and we'll issue you with your occupancy permit you're happy you give that to the bank the bank gives you your final money and the builder's happy as well so so a pretty in a nutshell, role. yeah, it's a fairly important role. Um, a lot of people say we, you know, we we, we are an authority in in, in essence um, because we issue a, a document that allows someone to construct a building permit. Um, we don't like to give that perception to our clients because we like to, you know, you know, have that consultancy um, role about us. So we, we're there to help our clients. We don't want to be the council policemen if you know what I mean but in effect that's what we are as well so okay and so what kind of interaction does the building surveyor have with the other people that are on the the project team so the designer or the architect and the I don't know any of the services people or the builder builder comes on bigger projects the builder comes along a little bit later but um, we get invited to consultant meetings and design meetings although we're not a designer are allowed to be involved in the design, we can go to a, a consultant's meeting and they may have some questions about legislation and um, you know how far an exit travel distance can be or how many stairs rises I'm allowed to have. And we can be there to answer those queries then and there. Um, um, so, we, yeah, and normally in those meetings you'd have your, your, your architect, maybe even a project manager, your architect, and then you sort of your services lead. So you'll have your electrical engineer, your mechanical engineer, hydraulic. You might have a fire service engineer there, and sometimes even a fire engineer who may look at some alternate ways to approve something. You know, if they use some fire modelling or something like that. So um, yeah, so we'll get involved in that, and then it's a typical. A typical design process where you you know you, you get minutes of meetings and you you know you start to answer questions and you get sketches sent to you to see if they're okay and and you can give them the tick you see that's fine then they'll go into full sort of documentation uh, mode um, yeah so we get a lot of lot of queries um, hell of a lot of emails a lot of phone calls uh, leading up to you know them starting construction. 
And what kind of projects do you work on or does Reto oversee? Um, it's um, it's sort of driven by the the the, uh, the economy and the industry. We at the moment it's it's a lot of multi-unit residential. Um, there's a fair few high rise going on in, in CBD at the moment. Um, a lot of education, um, private mainly private and Catholic school education. There's still a lot of building work going on there. Um, a lot of as you as has always been through my career. A lot of Residential, you know, domestic type, new houses, additions to houses, that sort of thing. Um, not so much now the the industrial, um, commercial side of things. Uh, five six years ago, we were doing a lot of, a lot of factories, um, which are, are great. They're a, you know, a, just four walls and a roof. Yeah, some concrete <laughs> and steel, um, and that's yeah, and they're done in nine ten months, and they move on to the next one. Um, you know, they don't really care about them. No one's living in them, so <laughs> you don't get people complaining about you know, how, why their window doesn't open. And so um, yeah, that's, so at the moment, yeah, a majority of our work is is multi-unit residential. So um, how long that's going to go for? Who knows? They still seem to be coming through the door. So, and so, what kind of role does a what kind of value does a does a building surveyor add to a developer, or can they add? Um, you think we can we can provide them with um, up to date advice? Um, you know, we with with the introduction of performance based building regulations where you, you have a, prescri- a like an objective to meet rather than a prescriptive requirement in in you know in terms of say an extra travel distance you're allowed to have 20 meters to a door or you, or there's a statement that says you know you must have sufficient exits to provide adequate level of egress so you can you can you can gauge fire engineers and 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 um, develop alternate solutions that you know sometimes sites are constraining um, and there's a limit on how many exits they can have from a building there might only be one you know so um, we can we can um, approve those uh, alternate solutions by fire engineers so we, we we go into we go into design meetings with an open mind um, let the client tell us what they would like to achieve, and we will try and help them achieve it. Um, some we've still got clients now that go, no, I want a deemed dissatisfied building. I want my building to comply with the prescriptive requirements of the building code. Okay, no problem for us. We can help you with that. Um, we 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 like to get involved in the design process. Again. I'll keep saying that we can't design because that's what the Victorian Building Authority like us to say. Um, when we don't design, we go in there and we, we provide our expert, expert opinions yeah, um, and tell people that, yeah, you, you can't have 19 rises in your stair. You can have 18, but not 19. So, um, And Reto, we've we got this three of us that are, that are directors and building surveyors. We like to go to meetings. We like, we like our client to see us at the meetings and we like to... You know, to their yeah, client to know who we are, because some 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 owners or um, property developers don't know who their building surveyor is, and so we'd like to know who they are, and they and so that we're there, and we we're there to help them 
um, ultimately get a compliant building that's safe because it complies with the building code. And is it hard to stay on top of the various changes or building codes or Um, whatever's required? It seems to be reams and reams of these sort of standards when you start looking into them. Yep, and and especially more recently um, with a couple of issues there's been um, with with fire and that sort of thing, we... um, we get a lot. We get a lot of um, updates from industry, from the VBA, from our Institute, Australian Institute of Building Surveyors. Um, my one of my business partners is is active in the Australian Institute of Building Surveyors. Um, is on some uh, committees with the Australian Building Codes Board. Um, so he's at the forefront of of that, and we tend to get that information before it even goes to be legislated. You know, so we, we'll know a year, 18 months out that there is this is going to happen. So we, we've got that um, we've got that our, at our disposal and we like to update our clients with that information if we think it's relevant. Um, yeah, so we, we, we think we're at the forefront of, of that. Because uh, yeah, there I've, is a lot. Because I've <laughs> looked through some of the building codes and standards from time to time. <laughs> yeah. My eyes just start glazing yeah. over. They're very difficult to yeah. understand. They are. Uh, you've got to know how to read them. Um, fortunately enough, I've been reading them for over 20 years, so you sort of know where, where to go. Um, the book, <laughs> the, the building code, can be is very thick, but <laughs> you know you tend to know to which page to go to. And I, I actually, you know, had a cadet in last week who was it was a fairly simple. Um, problem he had, but I could tell he was battling on where to find the, the solution, and the solution was um, in an Australian standard, not in the building code. And so you, you have to you have to know how to read them, and you have to read you have to read them till you understand them, because sometimes legislation is not easy to read. And I still now read certain parts of the Act three, four, five times, just to make sure. Okay, I'm clear. I. I'm clear on how I'm interpreting that. Um, and then, you know, there's, there's a spot there where it says you need to now read AS 1428 or whatever it is. And that's when the, the cadet goes, oh, okay, right, so I need to read that as well. Yes, you do. You know, so a simple problem can be you, you're, you could be reading three pieces of legislation to actually find the answer. And it's important then you know the hierarchy of the legislation as well. Yeah. Well, from what you're telling me, I think uh, best to leave all that to the well, building surveyor and the I, architects. I had a, I had a client. Stuff out. Yeah, I had a client who I used to. Um, she used to ring me up and go, oh, "I've been reading the building code." And I said, "Well, that's not your job." <laughs> I said, "Ring me for that sort of stuff because that's all I do." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No wonder you sleep so yeah, well at night. Yeah, oh, yeah, you're sick of it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, so tell us, how do you go about finding a good surveyor then? Um, I think you need to make sure that the surveyor's got experience in in your project. Um, you know, I, I know for, from experience, my one of my business partners just does not do houses, so I wouldn't get him to check my house because um, there's a there's a whole range of different requirements. You know, from siting of the house to you know uh, number of car parks to permeable area, that sort of thing. Um, so it's important to make sure that your surveyor's got experience in in that area, um, and and you can do that by pretty much asking for their experience in that in particular spot. And I, you know, I, I, there's some colleagues in the in the industry who refer 
refer work to me because they don't they feel that it's not the right job for them and vice versa and um, so we've got some a good working relationship with a few other companies um, who who and you'd hope you'd hope all building surveys did that and didn't take on something that they didn't think they could because that's um, not in the best interest of the client so yeah my advice to to anyone would be to to get some proof of experience or you know, ask, ask questions about uh, their experience and maybe even their architect, their design team who work in that sort of field all the time, they would have their preferred, I guess, surveyors. So, um, yeah, can just ask questions, consult your design team. Yeah. And I know you've already touched on having going to design meetings, um, but what kind of relationship would a developer have with the building surveyor on the job um well you 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 have a relationship with them up front you tend to a lot of our clients are property developers so you have a relationship with them um you tend to see them at the first couple of meetings and they tend to disappear and because they're looking for other things to do or other properties to buy whatever um but if something happens you know there's an issue um we're always there to talk to the, the, the property developer, the client, the owner, um, to make sure that they get the, the, proper, the proper solution. Um, and obviously, they're always worried about cost, so um, we need to make sure that we can help them and um, alleviate those issues that generally happen during construction. You know, when you get when you get the property developer on the phone and something's being built and he wants to talk to you, you know, well, <laughs> he's looking at trying to save some money somewhere. So, um, yeah, that's the sort of relation we try and have with him. So share with us when you go on site. Yep. What are you actually looking at and looking for? <laughs> um, we'll be looking to make sure it's right. <laughs> so... And it depends on when I go there. I don't. I don't tend to go and do any inspections anymore. I like to leave that to the building inspectors. Um, this morning I was on site um, with the client, or the client is the builder. Um, they're probably six or seven weeks from finishing, and they just wanted wanted me to go around and walk around with them, just to see if there's anything I could see that may cause them a problem you know, in the final week. You know, they don't want those issues then, they want them now. Perfect example today, it's a four-storey apartment building. I go around, I check balustrade heights. I check riser going dimensions, handrails, um, penetrations in firewalls, um, any other questions that the builder's concerned with. You know, we look at all those things because they're hard to fix. When things are tiled and carpeted and painted, um, they're a lot more expensive to fix, so you know they're, they're the things that tend to catch most most people at the end of a project. Is those sorts of things. So we go and do that and say, look, make sure your hand, your handrails the right height and your balustrades the right. It's got the right gaps. There's no nowhere where kids can climb that sort of thing. So that that's what I did this morning, um, and then you know we'll go back in five weeks' time and hopefully it's all done and finished and it's ready to be occupied. So you just mentioned the building inspector. So what's the difference between a building inspector and a building surveyor? Building inspector is pretty much on site. So they're there to, to check uh, the mandatory inspection stages of a project. Um, so they're our eyes and ears, the building surveyor's eyes and ears. You don't need to be... You don't need to have a degree in applied science, bachelor, uh, 
bachelor of building surveying. Um, I think I, I'm not sure of the actual tertiary qualification, but um, so they're they're a registered inspector, and they they pretty much will go on site all day every day, um, and they're, they're our our eyes on site, and they'll either approve or not approve the inspections for us and um, you know if they if they have issues they'll ring us to discuss them on site uh, so is that things like the trusses are not being screwed in with the right size correct. screws yeah. and yeah and that and that's where I, I profess I'm not an expert in in timber framing or you know I can go on site and I could it'll probably take me three times as long to do an inspection as what the inspector would because he does it every day and he's used to it all. He's up with the latest um, techniques. Um, and, yeah, so pretty much that. He'll, he'll check your timber sizes. He'll, he'll look at your bracing. He'll, he'll do all that sort of thing. So um, that's the main difference. We sit in the office there in the, in the, uh, on site. So I'm yeah. sure there's all sorts of uh, industry gags and oh, tension yeah. between the inspectors Tends and the surveyors. Yeah, they tend to think they're there at the coalface is what is the common one in our office. And... Uh, I tend to, um, uh, whenever I'm going on site, I put the work boots on and the, the high vis and the helmet, and you know, and they just look at me and laugh when I walk out the door. So, <laughs> all right. So, what kind of questions do you think it's important to ask a building surveyor before you would appoint them? Well, experience. You know, um, have you done this sort of work before? Um, what, what sort of value have you added to any any previous projects? Um, why should I appoint you instead of you know, the guy down the road. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I don't get I don't get asked that question much. Um, our our sort of business is is based on clientele that we've had for a long time, um, and so it's, you know there was a period when you were quite busy and you probably were a bit um, you know flippant with having those questions asked. You'd sort of almost go well. If you don't want to use me, you don't have to. There's plenty of others. But, you know, when, when things change, um, you tend to be a little bit more um, cooperative with those sorts of, of, of queries. So, yeah, no, we try and sell ourselves with our experience. We, we, we know we can do any job that's put in front of us and we've got enough experience. Um, you know, combined probably 65 years' experience, I suppose, if you add it all together. Um, um, so, yeah, but... What Typically, about, what about red flags? Um, price, you know, if uh, too well, low, too cheap. Yeah, yeah, like you know, my my biggest beef uh, has been we, we we used to do a lot of government work, and to to even to even do a fee proposal for a government project, you get you get their tender documentation. You have to read it. Because within their tender documentation, it'll say, you know, you're required to do two site visits prior to commencement and one at, at the end. Now, that's fine, but I had a job in Swifts Creek, which that's a, a five-hour drive, okay? And then you, you had the meeting time, and then five, that's a day. So you, you, need to, you need to allow for that. Um, and, you know, I've lost projects where, where a building survey has been, you know, quarter of my price and you go to the design team you ask them well has he read the the, the tender documentation and the requirements and you say well if he hasn't it's bad luck <laughs> so yeah you need to that, that, that's a big warning if, if it's not a realistic 
construction of price that's based on the construction, then you need to be wary because there might be shortcuts. You know, you might need a building surveyor on site um, and he hasn't allowed for it in his fees. You ring him up, say, I need you out, and he's going, well, sorry, I haven't allowed for that. Then the, the client's stuck. So, um, yeah, I think it's that, that's a, that, that is a red flag. Um, I guess... It's a very it's a very small industry, the building surveying industry. So we all sort of know each other, um, and I think you tend to the, 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 the better clients or the clients have had a lot of experience know who they want anyway. Um, but you know, there's always new players that come in and that sort of thing. But um, yeah, probably that that would be my only advice to any anyone who's looking to employ a. The surveyor, but you know, shop around, get three, four quotes. Everyone's always happy to do a, a proposal, and you can tell by some of the proposals you get um, that they're, you know, they've got some expertise and yeah, some experience. And so, is the cost dependent is on a percentage of the bill, or is there some sort of Depend- idea that you can get on what the cost should be for a surveyor? Well, it depends where you live too, Justin. So if you're, you know, if you're in Bayside, your price might be a bit higher than yeah. than the Western suburbs. But um, we base it on a construction cost, pretty much. And if we don't get a construction cost, we'll estimate it. So we'll look at the floor area. We've got a a rate that we use that we believe is the proper rate for construction, and we'll um, price it accordingly. There's also site constraints. You know, we'd like to look at a plan to see what they're proposing to do. If it's built on all four boundaries, you know, you need to then think, well, there's going to be some consultation with adjoining owners. If it's a residential project, you know, that's going to be a lot more difficult and a lot more time. Um, so that there's those those things we take into account as well. Um, and and based on probably based on our client experience, you know, so we know some clients are, are hard to deal with. Well, you, you, you charge accordingly because you know you know you're going to be working harder. The uh, pain premium. Yeah, there, there's there's always that. So, yeah. <laughs> Can you tell us about any disasters that you've had to see on site or things that you've helped to avoid that would yeah. have been disastrous further down the track? I've stood in a uh, in an excavation on Campbellwell Road. Um for five hours waiting for the builder to arrive. Um, well, I just happened to be driving past and and the site was cut three metres straight down on a driveway that was a medical clinic and uh, he didn't... That wasn't how it was supposed to be done. Oh, so you were um, a building surveyor. I was a building surveyor and I happened to drive past and went, that doesn't look right. Um, and went and I went, okay, that's not good. Okay, so, so, I, so just for people, for listeners out there who aren't aware, this yeah. was a, an excavation that ended up collapsing, didn't it? Uh, I didn't, no, it didn't collapse, thank God. It didn't collapse. Um, but I stood there waiting for the builder to get there um, and the engineer was on the phone to the, civil, uh, the structural engineer as well and telling him he needs to get out here and come up with a temporary propping method for this excavation. Um, the builder was very reluctant to meet me on site and I said, well, I'm not moving until you, you get here and no more work's been carried out until you get here. So I've had a couple of those. Um, 
so I'm touching the timber table now. I haven't had any disasters, and we don't. You know, you wake up in the morning, you listen to the news, and you hear, oh, there's a fire, and you, you're sort of waiting for the where it is, and, you know, you're always thinking about those sorts of things. But we, you know, we, we've been doing it a long time, and we've got, we've got comfort in our, our systems that, you know, that the documentation that we've approved is okay, and it's just dependent that the, the builder builds to that documentation. Okay. Sometimes they don't. Yeah. A lot of the times they don't, and sometimes we don't have control of that. Um, we can't. We can't be on site all day every day. So how do you find that out? How do you know if it's not being built to plan? And then what happens? You, you know, the best policeman is your next door neighbour. You know, they'll they'll be on the phone straight away. Um, local council. You know, they, they're sort of they're roaming around the municipality, so they'll call you up and say, look, this doesn't look right. What, we, what are we talking about, though? Oh, it could be anything. It could be, you know, fence height, because that fence looks too high, or, you know... Um, you know, there's been a, there's been a lot of incidents lately. Um, you know, there was the disaster in East Brighton where that the, the bricklayer um, unfortunately was killed due to the wall being blown over. So an industry alert goes out. You know, and it was it was a directive that if you're if you're driving out anywhere and you see something that you don't think's right, even if it's your, your side or not, just say something, ring the council, and that sort of thing. So we, you know, you do that, you do that now. And I I was driving back here today. I drove past the site and there's a, a painter standing on the roof and there's no guardrails or anything and you think, you shouldn't be doing that, you know. Uh, that's not necessarily a design thing, it's just a, an OH&S issue. Um, so you're always sort of looking for those things. So, but there's plenty of people out there that are, you know, will, will say something if they think, think it's something wrong. And... Every site has to have site contact details on it. So every building site has to have the name of the builder, has to have the name of the building surveyor and their contact details. So that, you know, if something happens, there's, there's some context there that we can ring in. You know, if we get a phone call that something's happening, we'll we generally drop everything to make sure that something gets rectified. Um, but, you know, again, unfortunately... Builders do change things, and they don't tell us sometimes, and we may never find out. And you know, what kind of things would you never find out about? <clears throat> oh, insulation in a wall, because we, we, because we're not there every day. You know, we we might go do a frame inspection. So you go and check the frame. The frame's perfect. You know, it's magnificent. It's all approved. You're, you're right to proceed. So there's a lot of stuff that happens after that frame inspection, you know, all the, all the wiring's completed, all the plumbing's completed, all the plastering's done, the insulation's done, the brick walls could be built, brick ties, all that sort of thing. You can't see that at the final inspection. We walk into a beautifully finished house that's painted and you, get, you have to take your shoes off before you walk in. So we don't know what insulation's gone into the walls you know, unless we cut a hole. Now, the builder's going to be pretty cranky if we start doing that. So we rely on we rely on a builder telling us that he's put in this type of insulation. The plumber then gives a certificate saying he's completed his work in accordance with the standards. Same with the electrician. So you do rely on statements and the builders being honest. Um, sometimes they're not. Um, sometimes things haven't been constructed properly. Um, and that's when the problems start, you know. When the buildings are occupied and they find a problem, 
you know, waterproofing is a big one, you know, um, leaks and that sort of thing. So the, the builder has to come back and fix them and that sort of thing. So um, that, that, that's, what, that's what can happen. You hope they don't, but they do. It's just through the nature of our industry, unfortunately. And so post-construction and completion, is there any ongoing role for the building surveyor? Yeah, look, we, um, we, we not only we issue building permits, we like, we like to, we do a lot of consulting work. So, um, you know, I've, I've got a project at the moment, we're talking about leaks. Um, this, this department was built um, seven or eight years ago and there's leaks all over the place. Um, they've been to VCAT, all that sort of thing, they've been issued with directions, but the owners want the work supervised. So we're meeting with the, the builder who's going to fix it. We're uh, asking him for his scope on how he's going to fix it and we'll um, go out there and watch him fix it. So that's a sort of a, a role we also do. We we audit buildings. Um, we look at essential safety measures for buildings, you know, all the commercial buildings that have fire services, uh, emergency lights, exit signs. We can help them with their maintenance a lot of building owners don't understand their responsibilities. They might they, they own a commercial building, but they then mean to maintain all their essential safety measures. So we do a lot of those. We do a lot of work in the liquor industry, um, liquor licensing. They need to, <coughs> excuse me, whenever they get a new liquor license or, or, or change a liquor license, we have to give them a statement that tells them how many people they can have in their premises. So we do that sort of stuff as well. Um, yeah, so there's a whole range of things we do. We're not just stuck into, into building permits, although that's the majority. Um, yeah, so um, we've got a lot of expertise in uh, in um, in, the, in a whole range of building work, you know. And we've we've actually just started branching out into some project management of building permits. So I've got a client who's building two aged care facilities in Queensland. The design team's here, but we're Excuse me. We're part of that, and we've t- we've told them well, we'll look after your certification for you. You don't have to worry about that. So we're looking after that. We'll check it, then ultimately give a package to a certifier in Queensland for him to issue the approval. So yeah. and it's working well for our client. He he wants that because he's got a building surveyor there who can help with his um, project and um, doesn't have to call the guy from Queensland to come down or, you know, get him on the phone or that sort of thing. So, yeah. So you've probably been through a few tape measures over the years. Then. Yeah, yeah, a few tape measures. There's always, a, you know, always, someone's always looking for a tape measure in the office. <laughs> they, get, they get very protective of their tape measure too. They put their name on them, so, <laughs> yeah. All right, so what are some of the biggest problems you've seen over the years? Um, look, the biggest problem... Is, is is probably the poor quality of work sometimes. That's our biggest problem. Um, and it's the, perception, it's the perception of the public that we, as a building surveyor, are the clerk of works or we're the, you know, we should be supervising the, the project, you know. Um, we, can only, we can only assess a job that we have the power to under the Building Act. We can't. We can't look at the paint colour and say, yeah, look, it's the wrong paint colour. It's not, it's not our role. But unfortunately, the public, we seem to be the first port of call when there's a problem on site because we're the building surveyor. We should be 
you know, because we have the power to issue building notices and orders, that you know, we're the policemen that we should take control. So, yeah, that, that, that's, the, that's our biggest problem and our, our biggest pain is dealing with builders who don't do the right thing and also um, people not understanding what our, our role actually is. Our role is to make sure that the building permit documentation is correct and the building permit's issued and the builder on site carries out his work in accordance with those drawings. And we can do that by visiting site during the mandatory inspection stages, which there's only four of, and that's the footings, reinforcement, frame and final. We don't go in between any of those. We're not required to by legislation, um, and nor should we. It's the builder's responsibility to make sure that they've got the quality control to make sure that their, their subcontractors carry out the work accordingly. So it's getting caught up in in those sorts of issues that really cause us. You don't get paid for that sort of stuff, and um, and generally in residential projects, when you're dealing with someone's home, um, they've got some emotional tie to it as well. So um, as much as you want to try and help people, sometimes you, you you can't, and you have to put it back on the builder. Sometimes the builder's not around anymore. So that's, that's when some big problems occur and they have to rely on insurance and the warranty insurance, etc. So, yeah. And do you play a role in that with warranty insurance? No, we don't. Our role only is to collect a copy of that policy for the building permit. Um, we need to make sure, we, we need to make sure that the, the contract that is entered into by the builder and the owner is similar to that what is on the warranty insurance so we need to check that the builder's name is correct and is on there and then we need if it's a company we have to check the company to make sure the builder's a director so there's some certain checks and balances we need to do um, before we issue the building permit but once that we're satisfied with that then really it, it's a policy that belongs to the owner in the event that the builder won't fix anything or um has disappeared or is, is is bankrupt. So, obviously, that's only on domestic projects. So, um, that's all we get. That's the only role we have in that in that process. And then from from your side, what is it you like to see from developer clients in their interactions with you or the relationship they have with you? What things can they do to make it a positive experience or to get the get the best result sometimes sometimes we need our our project our project manager or our our developer our owner to help us with with the design team sometimes you know we do get a lot of people going well why do i need to do that well because it's in the legislation that's why so you do get you do get people who's who's, who question your decisions so we you know sometimes you've got to go to to the, the, the developer and go, look, can you have a chat to your builder? You know, we're doing the right thing here, and, this, and ultimately it's you that wins. You're the, you're the property owner. You come out with a finished product. Your builder's not towing the line. Have a chat to him. You know? And you're certainly going to start paying attention to the guy who's paying your bills rather than me who, who sits in his office and you know, telling the builder what to do. Sometimes they don't like it. Um, we're not there to make their, their job hard. Um, we're there to make sure that, that the finished product is safe um, and compliant for the owner. So, 
Yeah. You're not there to make their job easier as well, though. We, we try, but sometimes... Well, if they're trying to pick cut corners and make it yeah. easy for them, that's not your job. And sometimes we don't have that power. Sometimes, you know, for example, a staircase that doesn't comply. The, the, the treads and rises are, are not constant. The builder will go, oh, you know, it's only a little bit out. Yeah, it is, but I don't, I don't have the power or the authority to say, yeah, don't worry about that. You know, if I did that and someone falls down the stairs, the builder's going to go, oh, the building's face it, it's fine. So, um, yeah, there are, there are um, times like, uh, like that that uh, you don't like to say no, but you have to. Yeah. And so at the end of the construction, which is the important or particularly important time for a developer when they're getting all their certificates mm. together and they can get the titles off and settle... Mm. Is uh, what role do you play in that, and is there anything the developer can do to speed things along there? Um, the builder tends to be to manage that quite well because they get their their final payment is, is staring them in the eye, so they they uh, they tend to get all their certificates through to us fairly promptly. Um, the developer um, again would only sort of um, help if there was some problems with the builder. You know, it was being a little bit. Um, reluctant to do something we've asked to do. You know, maybe we've picked something up at the final inspection that doesn't comply. Um, but but typically, um, we find at the end of the job the builder's pretty keen to get out of there, and we'll pretty much do anything to to get it over the line. We tend to get the the, the client tends to call us if it's getting down to the wire. You know, it's a it's a Friday at four o'clock, and his off permits, you know, ready to go and you can flick them straight onto the bank. Um, you tend to get the phone calls then, um, you know, uh, or, you know, if, if you're doing a job where there's an opening, you know, it's going to open that night, um, you, you tend to, the phone calls tend to become a bit thicker and faster when when there's something hinging on it. Um, but we tend to try and get it get it done and uh, we, we realise the importance of that, for the for the client that they need that our little piece of paper for that seems seems to be so valuable uh, for the bank um, and it's amazing um, the the sort of the, the week before Christmas how many people need their building permit when you know nothing's going to happen until <laughs> sort of mid January um, it's amazing how busy a building surveyor is in the last week of uh, last week of December so. Uh, but uh, no, no the, the, the developer tends not to get too too involved at that end. Yeah. All right. And then have you got uh, one top tip for developers out there to help them take their business to the next level? Um, I think we've always said you've got to, you need to spend, spend some good money on your design team. I think if you, if you, try, and, if you try not to uh, try and save some money on, on consultants, then... Um, sometimes things don't go as as well as they can. You know, some of the best jobs I've worked on have been some of the biggest with the best best design and consultant teams because they know they've done it before. Um, so pick, pick pick your consultants that have had experience in in the in the project that you're planning. And I think um, if you pick the right ones, and um, your project will run a lot smoothly than if you don't. And is that? You can get tips and leads from, say, a lead designer on the consultants. Yeah, your architect would would t- 
tend to have their preferred um, uh, design team. Um, your project manager, if it's that size project that you, you've you've decided to uh, appoint someone like that, then uh, I, I'd say choose a good project manager. Um, we've had experience with some project managers that I think cost the client more money than than uh, they, they should. So um, yeah, it's just the quality of the consultant. I think um, concentrate on that. Yeah. All right. So where can people find out more about you, Peter? About me? I'm on LinkedIn, so um, you can see me there. We've got our, our company, Red is also on LinkedIn, and uh, we're in the process of rebuilding our website, so um, redo.com.au. Uh, there'll be a for construction or, or coming soon page at the moment, but um, I know my um, my business partner's feverishly working with the with a designer at the moment, so we're hoping that'll be uh, that'll be up, hope, uh, up soon. Or you know, send me an email if you've got any queries. Peter at redo.com.au. It's an easy one. Double D in Redo. Um, yeah, happy to happy to try and help anyone out. A certain sense of irony of a building surveyor's website being under construction. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I hope it's got a permit. <laughs> All right, Peter, that's a good point to to leave it. Thanks very much for your time and sharing your insights on the Property Developer Podcast. I'm very grateful to you. No problem. Thanks for your time. Speak to you soon. Will do. Thanks, Justin. Okay, so there you go. I trust you enjoyed that discussion with Peter. I certainly learned that the building surveyor has quite an important role to play in your development project. And here's the lessons I took away from my conversation. One, talk to your building surveyor about ways that they may be able to help you. This is something I didn't do at the start of the project, but next time I'll be having a conversation early about how the building surveyor can add value to the project, or ways they can be involved in the development process. I think a good surveyor will be able to add suggestions along the way that will help reduce cost and improve the result you get. Two, make sure to use the right surveyor. As Peter said, ensure you engage a building surveyor who has experience in your type of project. You want someone who has lots of experience looking over the types of product or construction techniques that you're using for your build so that they know what to look out for or be able to provide advice and ideas on ways to improve things or problems to avoid. And three, don't skimp on your consultants. Always try and hire the best people you can for the job. It can be tempting to go for the lowest cost option especially for something that you may not perceive as directly adding value to your product. But the wrong hydraulic option or structural solution can easily increase cost and complexity to a build. Okay, so that's it for this episode. Thanks again to Peter Ayers from Redo Building Surveyors for sharing his knowledge and insights into the role of the building surveyor. I certainly enjoyed speaking with him. For all the past episodes of the show, you can head over to the Property Developer Podcast website, which is propertydeveloperpodcast.com or you can catch me on Instagram at propertydeveloperpodcast for my development pictures and photos. Otherwise, I'm occasionally on Facebook and Twitter. So until next time, may all your building inspections get signed off. You've been listening to the Property Developer Podcast. Tune in next time for more tips, ideas and inspiration to take your developing to the next level. For more developing love, make sure to visit propertydeveloperpodcast.com.